What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Ian Mills podcast. Uh, this week, I'm talking to my good friend, Mitch Charles, Mitchell Charles, aka DJ Honey Biscuits, aka DJ Hoppy Poppy. Um, <laughs> Mitch is truly just one of the most um, genuine beautiful authentic human beings that i have ever met in my life he is the co-founder of brothers of the moon a men's group i've been involved with for the past six months and knowing him has dramatically shifted so many things in my life we talk about fatherhood about addiction about masculinity obviously a lot about men's work, about our own practices for staying in our flow, filling up our cup. Um, it's a really great conversation that I know you all will enjoy. Um, if you want to support the podcast, the best ways to do that are to leave us a review and a rating on iTunes or to just uh, share this episode with someone who you love that you think would appreciate or benefit from hearing this. Again, thank you all so much for listening. I truly, truly appreciate you taking the time. And I know there's a lot out there that you could be giving your attention towards, and I'm grateful that it is going towards this currently. Much love to you all, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Mitch Charles. So I've had some some fun synchronicities in the past couple days. Tell me. Tell me. Um, I was driving to, this was on Monday morning, I was driving to uh, go paint this mural in Newburgh, and... I'm getting to this place on 99 where like it splits and people like the real gunners, they like step on the gas and try to get around you. Mm -hmm. So this guy was doing that and he was like weaving through cars like, and I could see him in the rear view. And as he was like coming up right behind me and like try, trying to pass me, I was just like, Jesus man. And when he passed me, the side of his car, there was a massive magnet and it said Jesus on it. <laughs> <laughs> like literally as I'm uttering the words, Jesus, man. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> it's like, the oh, Jesus man. Yeah, Jesus is passing me. <laughs> it was just one of those moments where like it couldn't have been more well-timed mm. and beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything in particular that you took from that synchronicity other than just like the kind of joy of seeing that you indeed are in the right place at the right time? I think that's pretty much what those moments show me. They, they cause me to lighten up and just like laugh out loud. Um, and yeah, I kind of like, I like to call them God winks, like God's winking at you. Wow. You know, just little moments. And I had multiple other moments like that in the past few days, too. Um, and, they're, yeah, they're just, they're just fun little, like, reminders that you're in this, like, mirror. It's always mirror, mirroring everything. Do you feel as though, like, when you look back at your life, that those moments have kind of always 
been there and it's more now about becoming receptive to seeing them and noticing them when they pop up big time mm. yeah yeah it seems like like particularly in the last few months after like once covid hit kind of being forced into isolation into like deep reflection that was when I was like wrapping up my teacher training when I met you and Dan and joined brothers of the moon. Um, that all of the, like all of the lessons that I'd been receiving throughout my life that I was kind of ignoring at the time started to like the veils started to lift and like I almost got to like retroactively receive all of the lessons and transmissions that I had before just been like like oblivious to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um yeah I think those and they only come I think similarly to your like Jesus man moment when we're being like really present and like presently in the moment and open to receiving anything that's going to come to us. Yeah. Yeah. It's the openness and the, yeah, the awareness of even just like, yeah, noticing the subtleties that are all around you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I also do think it's like, it's definitely a way of the, the ethers, the universe showing you that you're, um, that you're on the path. I mean, mm -hmm. you're always on the path, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you feel like you're not on the path. <laughs> that's part of the path that's part of the path that's one of my biggest realizations lately is that like i'm i'm always on purpose i've been like beating myself up lately and and kind of getting after myself in these ways of like look see you're not so you're not doing your thing you're not being on purpose you're not sharing your gift in this way mm -hmm. because you have an expectation of what everyone else is doing you know, you get, I get caught in this comparison and mm -hmm. I call it comparison forward. <laughs> You've got like an endless supply of puns. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, it's the like it's the shoulds. It's the shoulds. And the man. obligations and the need tos and the have tos. And and something I've I've realized for myself lately is that all of all of those things like pretty much correspond directly with what I want to do. Like all of the things I think I should be doing, whether it's like yoga or exercising, meditating, whether it's like playing music or working on art or podcasting, like all of the things I feel obligated to do are like what I want to do, like what wants to come through me. But the difference is like if I'm doing it out of obligation, like one, I'm not really going to be in it fully. I'm going to, there's going to be resistance. Like anytime there's oppression, there's a resistance. And I'm like oppressing myself into doing these things that I think are the right thing to do. But like shifting the perspective, which to me really has just been the acknowledgement that regardless of if I do this thing, it's okay. I'm still enough. Even if I don't wake up and do yoga first thing, even if I don't like practice music if I don't like work on, if I don't work on anything today, I'm still enough just as I am. And then it like opens this window, this doorway to like, okay, so what do you want to do? If mm. there's nothing you have to do, like, what do you want to get done today? Yeah. And how do you want to do it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> how do you want to do it? That's good. Yeah. 
because that's that's what gets me every time is if I'm in that place of oh I missed my practice or my my practice or my routine wasn't what it should have been you know um I I could end up doing things really hastily mm-hmm. out of like well see I didn't set myself up right with this yeah. you know but it really is like like a flip of a switch it can be like okay how do I actually want to do this do I want to slow down and be in my breath because it's the only way things ever get done you can't do anything anyway anyway else if you're not breathing you're you're gonna die (laughs) yeah you're gonna die (laughs) (laughs) and it does feel like you're dying (laughs) yeah yeah haste makes waste Ian haste makes waste (laughs) well yeah I um I'm curious. I've I've gotten to spend quite a bit of time with Dan recently, um, your partner in, in Brothers of the Moon, because we've been we've been working on this separate workshop together and like playing a little music together. But so I've gotten to hear a lot of like his story leading up to starting this men's circle that that you've created with him. But I feel like I don't really know the story of Mitch. I don't really know like what happened in your life that led you up to this point of knowing not only that you need to do the work for yourself, but that you wanted to offer it to other people. And you really have offered it in such a like gracious, compassionate, really beautiful way that mm. just speaking for myself has been like wildly impactful in my life. So what... Like, was there a moment in your life that you can identify where you recognize that something needed to shift? Mm. Yeah, I can, I can think of a few moments. Um, first, I just want to say thank, it feels like we're starting. So, um, thanks for having me. <laughs> I don't even feel like I've been able to like drop in with you one-on-one in this like intimate way yet. So I'm excited to do that. And it's, um, also just been really uh, an honor to watch you grow and flourish even in the small amount of time that I've that I've known you and um yeah Dan and I are offering up this gift um in the in the men's work but you're also like you're doing it as well and you're also very ready to give and receive that and so it's been such a joy to to interact with you Mm, thank you (laughs) yeah man I'm inspired by you (laughs) likewise um but yeah if i could think of like a pivotal moment i was actually reflecting on um our age difference Mm. you're 24 24 okay so we're the same um age difference between my brother and i my brother sam Mm. Uh, he's eight years older than me right so am i doing the math right i'm 32 32. you're 24 that is eight years okay look at us i know we're so (laughs) incredible Um, yeah. And I was thinking, I was reflecting like, oh my gosh, Ian's doing, he's like doing a podcast and he's like doing these things and he's 24. Where was I at when I was 24? Mm. And I had, um, so this is, yeah, eight years ago, I had just moved into actually where I'm at now to the farm. Mm. Um, just gone through a recent, uh, like a really big breakup. I'd had my, it was like my first long relationship of about five years and when you're 24 five years of your life is a lot of life it's still to it's, me a well, lot it's your, of life it's your entire adult life at that point totally yeah, yeah we got together when we were like 18 so um yeah and I, when i moved there 
um, Wendy, who you've met, is this like my like cosmic, my cosmic mother, my cosmic grandmother. Mm -hmm. She's like, she has this whole library full of spiritual, um, very thought provoking, expansive books and the DVDs. And like we would we would spend hours talking together. Um, And it this was a pivotal moment for me because I finally realized that I was spiritual and I didn't I didn't ever consider myself that I actually didn't like the word mm-hmm. and I was brought up um not intentionally to dislike religion um but the way my family would uh talk about religions and some spirituality mm-hmm. I I took it that it was bad and it was like I was better off being atheist or something. And so, but what I didn't realize is that like I was living and breathing spirituality through my artwork and the way I would dance and interact with people. And um, so essentially the baby got thrown out with the bathwater. And when I moved into the farm where I live now, I realized like, holy shit, this is my language. These are, these are my people. This is what I want to spend like all of my moments in and talk like all my conversations, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was 24, that was like that's where I was making a, a pivot there. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to imagine. Yeah. OK, so one thing I was reflecting on is that like you are making these choices to not only like download the information, but also share it. And I really admire that. And I think in my moments when I was 24, I still had a lot of downloading to do. And then like a lot of, not that trial and error ever stops, right? Like it yeah. needs to continue. But even after that awakening, I still had a lot of like alcohol to drink, drugs to do, just like lots of self-sabotage. <laughs> and so even having this, this like big awakening, I was like, well, it's also cooler in the dark. So I was really like doing this dance in between these like, you know, this drunk, drunk, dark world and then also like this very inspired spiritual world. Um, And it wasn't until two years before my son was born. I've been sober for five years now. Um, And so once I made that decision to become sober, then I started really getting into leaning into personal development pretty heavily. Um, and Is this fully sober off of like all substances, all things? No, just booze. Okay. But yeah, but limited uh, other altered states. Mm. Yeah. 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 It becomes like more of an intentional thing. Like there's so many medicined plants, substances out there <laughs> that you can use in a really like beautiful, profound way. But as you've experienced, and I, too, have experienced much of the dark side of that, which is the escape. Yeah, the escape. The escape. The great escape. Yeah. So what was it that happened two years before? You said it was two years before Toba was born that you decided to be sober. Yeah, there was some... um, I was drinking pretty heavily, and I was drinking while, like, out. Like, I shared a studio with someone, and we were drinking a lot during the day, even... Um, I had a lot of moments where I was like drinking first thing in the morning cause I was just so hungover and couldn't handle it. Um, I was like cigarettes and coffee in the morning kind of guy. Mm. Um, and that, 
<clears throat> started to wear on me and I started to notice in my like in my periphery there was a lot of other people having issues too some people in my family were having some some issues with addiction um and my aunt actually had just passed away from alcoholism um and that was I wasn't super close with her but it still had a big ripple effect with my mother who I am close with and also with my uncle who I'm also very close with um and so in that moment I decided like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna put this to rest for a minute and see how it feels and and then when I spent some time with my uncle who's been sober for about 30 years now uh he had a profound effect on me just saying like, Hey, cool. I'm just not going to do this anymore. So that was kind of a turning point of realizing like, Hey, I'm sabotaging myself left and right. I have so much, I feel like I've all this stuff welling up in me is so much more to give and I can't give it when I'm engaged with this thing in this way. Um, so a lot of my awakening has had to do with, um, addiction and restriction of, of like, substances and and things that I do and um just realizing my relationship with with these with these things you know that I like I even do it with my routine and with my practice Mm -hmm. I can be addicted to that I can be addicted to watching you know spiritual personal development (laughs) YouTube videos right like (laughs) I can make anything an addiction if I want to Mm -hmm. um and then also the abstaining and the restriction has also been a big part of my like my, my journey as well. Where, where do you think the distinction lies between like engaging in these practices as like a benefit to yourself and when it turns into more of like an addictive habit and more of an escape? Yeah. I mean, we've, we talked about this in the men's group, but essentially it's a, like, I, I will be, I will be happy when, you know, Mm. like if I do this thing, I will be this, Mm. And that's the idea that I get in my mind. Um, and it works the other way too. Of like, hey, I can't go out and be social if I don't actually have a, you know, a drink before or multiple drinks, you know? Um, and what's, I always, I always drank or did any sort of drugs to like get me to be the lighter, happier version of myself so I could actually engage with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that maybe that worked for a little while, but... Yeah, I I feel like a lot of it for me was like I I mean I'm a pretty light and happy person, but I'm also like not that light and happy all the time and sometimes like deeply introspective and want to like like have deep meaningful conversations and a lot of people don't necessarily like want to engage in that. Mm. So a lot of my substance use was almost like trying to like negate the part of me that wanted a deeper connection and like wanted more and could just like settle for like settle for what was offered sure yeah um this kind of overwhelming desire to fit in and to be seen even if i wasn't being seen for who i really feel that i am um as long as i was getting that kind of gratification and validation of like yeah you think you think that i'm good enough to talk to so (laughs) so i must be good enough yeah it's nice journeying into a world right now where I will speak for myself. I feel like I'm seeing and being seen mm-hmm. genuinely for who I am way more often. Mm. And so like the need for a substance 
is not there except for like my coffee yeah <laughs> there's some things that we hang on to just gotta have a joe gotta have a joe i like i also smoked cigarettes for a very long time um kind of like on and off since i was young like 13 14 uh and then and i work like my father's a vineyard manager in the valley so like every harvest i'm just like driving around big trucks and tractors and sometimes i take up smoking again for like a week or two because it just kind of fits fits the bill Mm. and also there's nothing like smoking a cigarette while you're driving like two hours away through the windy beautiful dundee hills and there's something special about it not to condone smoking cigarettes it's really bad for you (laughs) but i think um Part of what I've realized about, like, particularly on substances, like, I, I've i never had an, an incident in my life where I, where I, like, was so far gone that it needed to be, like, a pivotal moment. Like, I can never drink again. I can never do this again. But I've certainly had moments in my life where I was leaning heavily on substances, like, particularly when I was um, river guiding. and I was, like, doing a bunch of coke and drinking pretty much every night. But I've, like, coming out of that, I mean, I I hardly ever drink maybe, like, once or twice a month. Um, But I think something that I've, I've recognized is that there's this, like, there's this trap almost that we see in a lot of, like... not spiritual figureheads but like you know like the ultra spiritual devote their life to becoming enlightened and don't have any like human don't really have any like human emotions or fears anymore they're just like everything's fine i'm at one with the universe like Mm -hmm. yeah you are for sure we're energetic like spiritual beings but we're also in this human body like we're experiencing this life as a human on earth and with that comes a lot of like wacky shit like it comes joy and anger and like ecstasy and sorrow and pain and vulnerability and all of these like human emotions that don't really have to do with i mean i get it's all interconnected but it's like our the human experience kind of goes beyond what like our spiritual experience is and something i've i've recognized particularly around um like substances is like doing something like you know eating some mushrooms or mdma like i can be really intentional with that experience and have like these really profound kind of revelations and if i can integrate it can make huge differences for me and it certainly has but also some of the best times i've ever had and the most healing times i've ever had have been just like fucking laughing for an hour straight with some of my best friends about nothing Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) or about everything you know like those moments where things are just too perfect and profound to do anything but just like laugh like the jesus man thing when something is so perfect and beautiful in front of you there's no response left but to just open your mouth and laugh at the like absurdity and hilarity that is the world (laughs) and i love how those those moments that I've had, I also have shared those moments too, where you're just like rolling around like a kid, just laughing. And yeah. but when those moments happen, when I'm alone mm. and I'm sober, I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck? 
fuck? Like, that's what, that's how I know I'm like starting to lighten up. Mm. Right. And, and, um, but to just touch on what you said about these like ultra spiritual people. Um, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> because if you're in a body, if you're in a body, you're going to have all emotions. You're going to have this like human experience. And that's what we're all engaging with right now. And it's like, um, what's his name? Uh, Michael Beckwith says, we don't need ascended masters. We need descended masters. Mm. That That's what the game is about right now. How can you be in this body? That was actually a huge shift for me after like really diving deep into a lot of like channeled work and very, very ultra spiritual stuff and having this um, spiritual AF like mm. um, marker I was trying to hit. I realized like, wow, it's not about any of that shit at all. If I can't integrate it, if I don't even understand Mm. what we are all one even means, like I can, I can think of that conceptually, but am I experientially right now applying, we are all one to my life. And Mm. in a lot of those cases, I was, I was not, and I still am not in so many, I'm there's, there's a huge wall of separation between me and the world sometimes. Um, but it's that laughter that like brings that wall down, which mm-hmm. is really beautiful. Yeah, it's I, I don't know where the quote comes from, but it's like you can judge a spiritual master by the sound of his laugh or mm, something like, like that. that. Like if you're if you're dealing with someone that is like an ultra serious like spiritual guru, you might want to run away <laughs> totally. because they have either like both feet in that world and nothing left in this one, or they're like trying to seem as if they have both feet in that world and none left in this one. Mm. And like, we're, yeah, we're humans and it's a, it's a fucking gift. It's like the coolest game that we could ever live, especially like, I'd like, like acknowledge that we are very privileged with where we are. And we do get a lot of like beautiful opportunities for, growth success like engagement love connection we have so much at our fingertips Mm. to reach out for and one of one of the most like kind of petrifying realizations i've had recently was thinking it's like okay i've got like i've got some money saved up i have the support system around me i have the community I have like the tools in my tool belt to really step into who I want to be and like start offering the work that I want to offer. So what's missing? Oh, what's missing is that I need to believe that I can do it Mm. (laughs) and that I actually am able to offer it. And which is like equal parts terrifying and encouraging. It's like on one hand, yeah, I'm the missing piece. And if I just step up to the plate, like I can kind of, start living out this dream and empowering because like okay if that's it like if all i have to do is work for it and everything else is like around me and ready to receive it then then i'm there i just have to work you get you get to work i get i get to work (laughs) i just want to work there i go (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah man um, so these words came to me this morning. Um, let's see if I can remember them. I turn, I turn hard work into artwork. That's my heart work. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I've been really trying to figure out like, what is it that I do? Mm. Like what, like what is my artwork and, and what is my heart's work? And my artwork is my heart's work, but my heart's work is also something else. And so like what you're doing is alchemizing, you know, transforming all of what you've been through into your art. Mm. And like, as you gift it, that's your, that's your heart's work. So I've been like having this realization lately, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a heartist. I'm not just an artist. I'm a heartist. Like it isn't, it's not all about composing these physical things like making paintings or sculptures or woodwork, but it's about the, the delivery of the, the energetic exchange uh, and the like having a lighter heart and helping other people have a lighter heart too. Mm. Um, and that's really helped me. And I say, I say that because you're thinking like, Oh, like I got to do this. Like, I got to like step up to the plate and do this work. And it's like, well, you also get to, and it's what I was referring to the other day when I was talking about swimming upstream, Mm. that whole idea of like, Oh, I, like I have, I have to be on purpose. I have to do this thing in order to like be the person that I, that I need to be. And it's just like, no, hold on, stop swimming upstream and just let go and start and floating down with the current of Ian with like the current (laughs) of Mitch, you know? And so then it starts like, the cupeth overfloweth (laughs) and you can't help but like give from that place i've got too much help me i got too much motherfucker (laughs) i'm drowning in my own love (laughs) (laughs) and it's like sometimes easier said than done because this is a lot of reprogramming right but um i just want to remind you how much you're you're actually doing right now in this moment uh, that was part of one of our exercises in the mm. men's circle is like, what are you doing right now? That is part of your vision. I have to remind myself that I have to remind Dan that all the time. I'm like, Dan, you're doing it. Mm. You're literally doing Dan's it. Dan's really doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you're doing it too. <laughs> I just haven't got to spend as much one-on-one time with you. So I don't see it all as much. But every time I talk to Dan, he's like, yeah, I'm doing this and this and this and like helping this guy in this way. And, hanging out with these people and it's just kind of like nonchalant about it Mm. like do you recognize you've like fully stepped into the vision that you kind of (laughs) laid out in the men's circle like three weeks ago like you're fucking doing it man it's like a frog in boiling water you know have you heard that i have not okay well it's like you put a frog in water and turn on the stove and Mm. they don't notice that the water is boiling around them it's a horrible analogy i was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) there's gotta be a better one than that than us getting boiled alive (laughs) that's a a frog in a spiritual awakening i don't know um but the idea is that you don't notice that what you're in what you've created around you and it's it's true that's why we need reflections Mm. that's why we need a fucking group of any sort yeah. yeah we yes yesterday i was um i taught my first yoga class like after like post-graduation from congratulations my thank you and and before it started i got there like 20 minutes early and i was like i was i was reflecting because i um like i've played like i've played a lot of gigs for like restaurants and bars and places that like didn't really care that i was there playing music i was just kind of background noise and going into those situations i always had like all of this anxiety and like trepidation because i wanted these people like i wanted this to be the show where everyone was like wow look at how great that guy is like we love him and acknowledge him and you know they never came because that just wasn't 
that just wasn't the setting that I was in. Like you're playing for a group of people trying to like enjoy their food and their drink. Like they're not paying attention to really your lyrics or the music that you're playing. But as I was sitting there, like getting ready to teach this class and no one had showed up yet, I busted out my journal and started writing. I was like, like what, what the fuck? I'm about to teach yoga on the back lawn on this like beautiful summer day and there's like a cool breeze rustling the leaves and the trees and the sky is blue and I'm sitting in the shade and I get to offer this practice that I really, really love and has done so much for me and I get to like share that with somebody else. And like there was no performance anxiety. There was no like, mm. there was no like nervousness as people started showing up. I was just like really excited that they were there. And I think, I think the realization there was that as soon as I wasn't doing it for me, like as soon as I wasn't like offering a part of myself so that someone else would accept it and I was just offering it so that they could benefit from it, it like relieved all of the tension. It relieved all of the anxiety because all I really wanted was to like be there in that moment offering that practice. And I was just like blown away that there wasn't any anxious feeling in that mm. moment because it always has been for me. Yes, dude. That's that's a win. That's a win. That's what we call hashtag win. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking a lot about winning lately. I really appreciate it because we don't like think about our wins that often. We even like Dan and I were reflecting on this the other day. It's like, you know, we've been making this timeline of our lives, right, for the, the Chiron workshop that mm -hmm. we're doing together. And, like, when I was making mine, they were pretty much all traumatic incidents. Like, mm -hmm. every once in a while, I threw in, like, a little, like, asterisk, and I was like, oh, and this was my best friend at the time, and mm -hmm. I was doing this. I found $100 on the ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but all of the stuff was, like, the pivotal, like, negative experiences from my life. It's like, wow, we let these like negative experiences define us and shape us. And when someone asks us the story of who we are, like we reflect on the times that were really difficult for us. But how often do we think back to like one of the most positive experiences of our lives, like one of the most beautiful experiences of our lives that shaped us in a really good way and made us into a better person? Like I am curious about where that kind of, like obsession with the bad comes from and why we focus so much on it. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thought on that? Uh, well, the first thing that came to mind when you're saying that is there's a, I forget what song it is, but this, this, um, this guy says it's in a rap. He's like, don't shit on my past. It's the only one I've got. And I love that because like we tend to like think about the really gnarly stuff in our, in our past and how it's molded us, molded us. But the, it, it's up to us how we, how we perceive it now from this point right now um and do we see it as a gift do we see it as happening to us or for us mm. um yeah something yeah. that just came up when you were saying that is that maybe i mean one like we get to define the reason why anything happened to us that's kind of the beautiful gift of having a like prefrontal cortex and free will is that like when we have a negative experience we get to be like shout out to the brain Thank you, brain. 
but <laughs> like that that saying like everything happens for a reason can be really like dismissive and painful to people that have experienced like some intense trauma when you tell them like oh it's okay it was all part of the plan like no i don't necessarily think that's true but i think you get to step up and decide why that thing happened and maybe that the reason why we like my reason feels like why I would focus and remember those traumatic incidents is so that it can be alchemized into something that can be offered to somebody else. And that my positive experiences in life, like, yeah, they're great, but is me telling a story of like how great my life is and how wonderful it's been <laughs> going to help someone through a really hard time? Or is it going to make them feel like, oh, well, that's good for you, bud, but that's not my reality. Mm. But if I can remember, like, when my reality did feel this way and did feel painful and was traumatic and was difficult, then that's something that can be, like, shared and reflected and people can feel like they're not alone in the struggle. Yeah. Yeah. It leverages the the meaning in the gift that you're sharing, you know? And there's this connection, connectivity between... And not to, like, bond over traumas, you know, and always be in victimhood, but Mm -hmm. to realize, like, oh, hey, this person was on that side, and they've actually crossed over this huge threshold Mm -hmm. to something that society says they shouldn't have been able to do. But they've they've managed to, like, go across this timeline and and experience success in some sort of, or healing, Mm -hmm. you know. that is success yeah totally (laughs) healing is like the biggest success that we could ever hope to receive yeah but have you ever like received um some like knowledge or quote-unquote wisdom from someone who you don't really feel like has been through the ringer in any sort of Mm -hmm. way like it doesn't usually land as much because it's not experiential yeah so much yeah it's just been read or been told to them or even if they've just come to it on their own realization like sure but yeah it takes it takes like pain to grow growing pains we got them that's part of the human experience (laughs) um okay so we're we're up to like two years before your son is born um you're sober off of alcohol (laughs) what starts to shift in your life at that point like what changes do you start to see um let's see the two years before um hmm well i was i was in a place where i I was working a lot um i am currently doing a lot of the same work actually um um, i do commercial artwork like hand-painted signs and murals beautiful hand-painted signs and murals (laughs) (laughs) um and so i was really getting uh really learning to to lean into that in fact like the first couple of weeks of my sobriety, I was on a trip to New York to, to actually stay with my uncle, but also to do a job uh, with my, my friend Colt, who we, we painted this big mural for Venmo in, in New York at their like headquarters, like they were like a floor below PayPal or whatever. You know, they're all owned by the same people. Um, <laughs> it's all connected. Damn. <laughs> um, and so that was like a that was a big turning point because I was realizing like, oh, wow, I can actually make a career out of my something I've been doing my whole life is just doodling and making artwork. And, and now people are actually paying me to, to do it on their walls. So that was that was an exciting moment. And I think at that point in my life, I just started really taking um, my my gifts and my service more seriously. 
um, Sophie and I, my, my wife at the time, um, we were really diving into our relationship a lot more and we, she became a doula. Are you familiar with what a doula is? I am. Okay. I didn't know that Sophie was a doula though. Yeah. Yeah. So, and at that point in my life and in our relationship, we started to get a little baby crazy. She was like really diving deep into doula work and, and just getting mesmerized by the, the female body and what it's capable of. And, uh, that all rubbed off on me. And so, uh, without getting into too many details, we conceived Tova, um, about two years later and it was so beautiful because we were both sober, Mm. both very, um, doing our own at that time, getting as clean as we could in, in like diet and in, in our life. Um, and I feel like Tova was really conceived with a lot of love and with a lot of trust, even though we weren't actually planning it like consciously, mm. um, there was, there was obviously a plan coming through. He wanted to be here. <laughs> and if you've ever met Tova, <laughs> there's a lot of love and he, he trust wants, in that kid. He wants, he wants to, to be, be here. here. <laughs> he's so fucking excited to be here. It's, it's inspiring. He's one of, yeah, I would say maybe my greatest teacher right now. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, fuck ultra spiritual. Like, to, like your teachers come in all different shapes and sizes, and it's not always a dude in a tunic in a cave, you know. <laughs> Very rarely in your life will it be Actually, a dude in a tunic in a cave, yeah. unless you're seeking that, or you live in the '60s. That's, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that. That was a very transformative moment because as I was leaning into my services more, um, when Tova showed up, I got to just be blown away with with the female body and just be like, wow, oh my God, you grew that in your body, in your womb, carried it, and then gave birth to it. You're literally opening a portal for another life to come through. And so thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Tova, for like totally changing my life. Um, and I think that when that happened, I was getting a sense of what it was to actually start being a provider. And so I really, what was, what was conflicting for me in that moment is realizing that I need to learn how to provide for myself. And so Tova comes on the scene, Sophie and I are, you know, brand new parents and the, in the beginning it was very ecstatic. And then it's, I started to, I think have like the dark night of the soul awakening so it's like i don't know if you're familiar with that pattern like you have a this is really common for people to have like a spiritual awakening Mm -hmm. and everything's like fucking unicorns and rainbows and then you're like wow like Mm -hmm. hey and you want to tell everybody about it right and then you start realizing how fucked up this world is Mm -hmm. and how this world is not built for you as this like spiritual being when it really actually is Mm -hmm. but like um that's the moment where a lot of people go into this dark night of the soul and they start to realize like, oh my gosh, it's like, it's like Neo, you know, when he wakes up out of the like goo yeah. and like pulls the plug out of his head. That's, that's the, actually what a spiritual awakening looks like. <laughs> it's like the, the pendulum swing. <laughs> yeah. Like we're over here. Everything's fucking great. And now we have to go back to the other side where everything's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, and eventually, hopefully, come back to the center. Yeah, you're all wet and gooey, <laughs> and you end up sliding down this really scary slide into a big pool. <laughs> you feel like you're drowning. Anyway, this was my Saturn Returns 
So I don't, I don't know if you're familiar, familiar with Saturn Returns, sure. but that's like the 20, 27 yeah. year old ish thing. Tell, tell me a little bit more about that. So I, I can get a clear, you picture. know, other than just experiencing it, I don't know a ton about the astrology mm-hmm. of it, but so Saturn shows up in your, in your, uh, when you were born in your birth chart. Um, and it doesn't come back around again into your, into your scene until you're about like, yeah, 27 to 31, somewhere in that ballpark. So it's, uh, it's a lot of dying of the old and like a rebirth, so to speak. So as my son was being born, I was also experiencing like a death and a rebirth as well. Uh, and that was really challenging for me. It put a huge stress on, on my marriage at the time on top of having a child and it really caused me to like recoil and try to figure out like what it what is my essence like what am I like giving here and uh, what's uh, what's my purpose what's my mission mm-hmm. and that has changed a lot for me now. Tova's three and a half. Yeah, he'll be four in October, actually. Um, and as, so Sophie and I actually split up after that, and. I am so grateful for the space. I'm so grateful that we're still co-parenting and able to, you know, still, we just drove to, to Sherwood yesterday, you know, or to Hillsborough. And so it's great. Like we can still co-parent and be friends and still be growing and evolving together. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what has changed for me now is realizing like, Oh, I needed to, to provide for myself and what I was losing in my like drive to figure out how I can serve and how I can, how I can provide for my child as I wasn't doing the inner provider stuff for myself. Mm-hmm. And when I was young, I used to draw, mm-hmm. I used to dance, I used to just play. And I, and I, at that point, like I didn't have any of that in my life. And so I didn't, it was like, if I'm going to learn how to parent a child, I need to like be a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm so grateful for the space that was given in my separation with Sophie to really like I had Tova, you know, half the week or sometimes more to like learn how to play again, to learn how to dance, to learn how to just like be in joy. And also I was, you know, pissed off, pissed off some of the times too, because being a parent is fucking hard, <laughs> but that's the growing pains of it. Right. Mm. So I think that all of that to say like where that has like kind of, launched me into right now is like how can i how can i provide for myself so i can provide for my son and also like show up and and give like be in my gift what we were talking about the other day is how can i be responsible you know and breaking the word down like being able to respond response ability um i cannot what what's the responsible thing to do some people might say it's to grind, to hustle, to go and go and go. So you like build this empire. But if something comes into your life and like knocks you down and you're not able to respond to that, instead you react and create more um, challenge, then that's not the responsible thing to do, is it? Mm. Right? To like hustle. And so. I kind of went from more of like a hustle mindset, even though I wasn't like making tons of money. It's, it's a mindset, right? Like it's a, I got to fill the void with this work thing. Um, I don't know if you're getting a good picture of like where, like where I'm coming from now, but, um, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah. 
I feel like the responsibility thing right now for me is so big because every day I'm, I'm asking myself like, how, how can I actually like show up and respond to life instead of reacting to it? And it's more of like a preventative, more of a like get myself right so I can like actually give myself. And now that I'm like fine tuning that to the max, I'm realizing I'm getting to this point where like, hey, you got that down. It's time to start really like giving and giving and giving Mm. um, and receiving. Yeah. Right. Like I am giving by receiving. I am receiving by giving. So right now I'm, I'm making this big transition of how do I continue to make money? and do this commercial artwork but how can i also help other people find their creativity how can i help other people tap into their highest self how can i create artwork that does that without me even saying anything those are all stuff those are things that are really meaningful me to me right now um is to to share my process in hopes that other people get to discover their process yeah it shows (laughs) do you do you feel like this experience fathering um, is what led you to wanting to start Brothers of the Moon. Was that like a, was that like you and Dan coming together? Or was that like Dan having an idea and wanting your help with it? Or like, what was the process there? And how Mm. did it, how do you feel that this like experience of fatherhood affected it? It's a big question, Ian. <laughs> um, well, it goes just so, yeah, to like, to go back to more of the root of that. Like Dan, Dan and I both have bonded over, uh, oh yeah, you have a fucked up relationship with your dad? Oh, cool. I do too. You know, <laughs> trauma bonding as they call it. Um, but there's something more than that. Like we're seeing how it's for us, like mm-hmm. I was referring to earlier. So one thing I'm very grateful for right now is, which is part of my story, is that my father, and you know this, but my father left my family when I was seven, around seven or eight. Um, I only saw him about a handful of times after that. Um, and that profoundly affected me. I didn't think it did did for a long time. And then I started to realize once I had a child, I'm like, oh, yeah, that fucked me up. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I would have never considered myself abandoned. I didn't uh, associate with the word abandoned. But up until actually very recently, I realized, wow, I was abandoned. My dad straight up fucking left and didn't really call or like reach out. And when you're a child, it's that that's his responsibility. As I became an adult... It was now also my responsibility. And so I've also realized that I get to own my side of that as well. So it's like um, taking that father wound and seeing it for what it has given me. It's it's given me the gift of realizing what a, what a father means, um, what a father does, what not having a father can really, like what harm that can actually do. Um, and I've seen how it affected my relationship with men and how I've become essentially standoffish and afraid of interacting with men and having deep relationships with men. Um, and so really up until Dan, I didn't really have a dude friend, but maybe besides my brother, um, that I could really dive deep and be vulnerable with and actually feel safe with. So 
starting brothers of the moon was uh like hey how can we take this like (laughs) awkwardness around men (laughs) and start to heal it (laughs) and i love it because dan called me up and he had this idea and um he was like yeah let's do brother he actually wanted to do sons of the moon and i was like well there's already sacred sons Mm. let's do brothers and so we called it brothers of the moon uh and i love that name but it's also like it's it's men coming together and healing, but also being in service to the feminine, because how can we show up and be and respond, be responsible to our female Mm -hmm. sisters? Um, If we, yeah, like we, we need to learn how to hold each other because clearly we can't hold our, the society can't hold women. We can't hold the creative feminine energy Mm -hmm. because the masculine is so inflamed. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, and there's no permission for men to be in the feminine. Yeah, it's it's crazy because we have we now we have men that are in this situation, and and I've I I actually sometimes dance in and out of this myself, and have been there even deeper before, where you, a, a man can become emasculated, mm. and not know what it. They're so afraid of being in in their masculine because what we see, in the out in the world is this toxic masculinity. Mm. And so it's like, oh, hey, well, if that's what masculine is, I can't, I can't go there. I'm not going to be there. I'll just stay in this like sensitive feminine world, which is there's nothing wrong with being in that world, but you can't, you have, there has to be a balance. Yeah. My own experience with that was after like coming to the realization that I was exhibiting some of these more toxic masculinity habits, I did try to like fully suppress the masculine and was actually only left with the shadow aspects of the masculine. So in like trying to escape it, I just like fell deeper into hole of embodying like the worst negative aspects of that. Fuck me too, man. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would, I I think that that's where the anger really, really leaks out. You know, the, the anger leaks out in the toxic masculinity, but it also leaks out when, when you're emasculating and then like, so the the equation that happens is that when the man em- emasculates in this way, then the, the female, well, I should say, yeah, let's just say in a, uh, a heterosexual relationship, mm-hmm. right? Um, the female has to now lean into their masculine energy when oftentimes, not always, mm-hmm. there's a there's a, a desire to, to be in the feminine, to be in that into that swirl but if they don't feel safe being in that like lovely swirl creative energy um and then they have to do both of those in the really in the dynamic of the relationship mm-hmm. then that's not only frustrating for the for the the female in that moment but for the man i'll say i'll speak for me in my situation the anger would come out like crazy because i had no um there's no outlet for it. Mm. And so I remember like throwing things and breaking things and just like screaming and like, and it wasn't in a productive, like primal scream way. And maybe sometimes, but, um, and that's like super normal actually. Mm. So many fucking dudes don't know what to do with their, their pent up anger and rage. And that is such a huge issue right now. The keyword being pent up, pent up. Like that's when it becomes like reactive and violent and, and like, really even angry is when it there hasn't been a release of it for so long and i feel like something i've i've been trying to get really clear about and i i don't find myself being like 
angry that often nowadays. I feel like I've gotten much better at like remaining in a space of acceptance and joy when things aren't, when like reality is not responding the way that I think it is. It's like, okay. Or I think it should. It's like, okay, well Mm. take a step back. You're not fucking God, bud. Yeah. But like in those moments of anger, like so oftentimes, like we're not yelling at someone because we want them to know why we're angry. Like we're not yelling at them. Like this is why I'm angry. Cause you said this and it made me feel this way. We're just like being fucking angry without any explanation or really reason mm. because we don't even know what the reason is because it's like 10 years of suppressed emotion trying to come out at once. And it's, there's no, there's no like productivity in it. Mm. It's just this like, intense reaction versus like acknowledging the fact that anger comes up kind of being a byproduct of fear like we're often angry because we're afraid something isn't going our way and we want like we want the world to be shaped in this way and it doesn't work we respond in this kind of like yeah like i'm mad because things aren't going my way but like a toddler in a tantrum. Like a toddler in a tantrum. Because we're all pretty much toddlers still. Basically, yeah. <laughs> like, and that, and those are the moments where we really get this opportunity, like you were speaking to earlier, to like see our inner child. Like, what do you need? Mm. Do you need a hug? Do you need someone to tell you it's going to be okay? Like, do you need to talk to somebody? Do you need to scream into a pillow? Do you need to like run or dance or do something to get some energy out of your body Mm. and and like just as we need to remember how to like play and dance and have fun and enjoy we also have to remember how to like channel our like inner child tantrum into something productive because we're fucking adults now man we can't be throwing tantrums all the time (laughs) yeah we got i mean i don't have kids but we have like kids and partners and relationships and family and friendships and and also like our own personal joy in life to take into account and and like really remain like in the flow of things Mm -hmm. and um throwing a tantrum is not in the in the flow of things yeah so like what do you do like the question is like what do we do with that Mm. that energy right and I'll just give an example. Like, so speaking about my dad earlier, mm-hmm. um, I hadn't spoke to him in 10 years and, and I was, and I called him a couple months ago, but before I did, I was like really, I was feeling a lot of feelings. It was just a big soup of like, wow, I'm like feeling empowered that I'm actually going to do this. And then like all these old, you know, the old wounding and traumas coming up for me and feeling really confused and at one point, like about a half hour before I was going to make the call to talk to him, I hadn't, I hadn't talked to him or seen him in 10 years. And he's been such a big part of my story of like, hey, I'm this way because this happened, you know, and I don't I don't get I don't have to claim that anymore, which is really beautiful. But about a half hour before I called him, I was experiencing a lot of anger and didn't really know what to do with it. And so I was like, okay, I've got to like interrupt the pattern. I've got to get in some sort of flow before I talk to this motherfucker because I can't come into it with this anger. And maybe, maybe I could have, you know, maybe I could have let him know how I, how I feel. Mm -hmm. But, um, my plan was, okay, I'm going to turn on some intense music 
like what would i want to rage to right you know oh man i don't even totally remember but i it was like uh a lot of a lot of bass Mm. um stuff that i was like had a lot of like bass and like primal energy too um but anyway so i I did a lot of dancing and in the middle of the dancing it it well the anger welled up in in me so much that i just started screaming like big 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 primal screams so big that i like started sobbing afterwards and was like i was like holding my hands on my head and like walking around the cabin and it was just all pouring out of me and it felt so fucking incredible but i was also so pissed off <laughs> and it was it followed up with this just like a big smile i was just like wow that that monster needed to be let loose mm. in such a big safe productive effective way right and i and i wish i had a tool like that i wish i would have allowed myself to even go there earlier but i wasn't ready for it obviously but that really allowed me to be present and to like leave all of my shit over there and like disperse it and transmute it into the world so i could actually be present on the phone with my dad um so that was that was one way that i alchemized the anger i don't know what it looks like for everybody else not not all dudes want to dance Right, but well, a lot of dudes well, want to fucking scream. I was, I was gonna say, all dudes might want to dance. Well, they might want. They might to. not feel like safe dancing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but dancing, you know, it's up to us to decide what dancing is. Right? Is it head banging? Is it jumping up and down? Is it being more fluid and you know? But some sometimes, like I've I've had the the um, the gift to be able to um, experience a couple ecstatic dances with you that you mm-hmm. were DJing, which you're excellent at, by the way. Both of Thank you. The two of them that I've been to have been, like, beautiful experiences. But sometimes, like, I'll turn on a playlist, and I've, I've been trying to get more into, like, just move, like, freely moving at home. Like, I have a yoga flow, and, and I can move in that way, but I don't let myself just, like, kind of move my body and dance that often. So I've been trying to, like, turn on some music and, and just, like, let loose a little. But sometimes all I want to do is turn the music on, I just, like, get down on my knees and just kind of, like, sit there and maybe rock side to side and, like, really gently move. And, like, what I really need is to just, like, almost hold myself like sometimes the energy wants to come out in a way that is like visceral and and primal and I'm moving and I'm dancing and I'm like practicing yoga while I'm dancing and it feels really strong. Like I feel strong and I feel empowered. Sometimes I just need to like sit there Mm -hmm. and like feel it and receive it and just like be held, not just by the music, but by my own kind of like be held by my own mind, my own body and my own consciousness and like, the floor beneath me and and just practice like receiving this energy as well so big yeah when you're not caught up in thinking of like how sh- how should i move mm. to this it's like no just let it wash over you yeah, whatever just, just move you shouldn't <laughs> move in any way <laughs> yeah yeah mm. just to receive and that's so big i think for i would say all humans but especially mm. men right now is to like learn how to receive we're such uh uh, 
we're such givers, like mm. it's action oriented, problem solving, problem solving. Giving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the very idea of actually surrendering and receiving, that's why like being in the, the men's circle is such a big thing. Um, like the other day when I was, I was saying that Dan was like giving me a, this like massage cause my back was hurting and he was leaning into it so hard that I just like started sobbing and like he just held me in his arms and I like was full on sobbing and I had, I don't think I'd ever done that with another male before, uh, rarely with other, even with women, um, but the act of like actually receiving that embrace, receiving the support and the comfort from another man or just in general is, mm. is so important for, for people. And there's ways you can practice that, right? Mm. Turn on the music and just receive the music. Mm-hmm. And it's such like when I think back to the moments where I've been the one doing the holding and the comforting and the supporting, like it's never once felt like a burden. Mm. It's always felt like a gift. Mm-hmm. It's always felt like I feel so like profoundly honored and blessed that this person is actually like open and comfortable enough with me to like really just fucking let it go and really just receive this support that I have to offer. And yeah. And so like that, that vulnerability is a gift that we get to offer to our friends and we should, we should be mindful of who we're offering that gift to. Um, you know, not just any run-of-the-mill acquaintance deserves to see us in our fullest expression of surrender. Like, that is, that is a, um, like, it is a gift. Yeah. And it should be given as one. Like, something I've been thinking about a lot is, like, the transition from guilt into shame. And guilt's kind of just, like, this natural reaction. And, like, even in, like, anthropological, like, biological relax, um, reaction to us like staying in line not going outside of like the rules of the tribe like we gotta we gotta do right by the tribe or we're gonna get kicked out so guilt becomes this thing of like i did something bad and i feel badly and when it shifts into shame it goes from i did something bad to i am bad because i did this thing Mm. and the, and I think the way that it shifts into, and this is like my inner Brene Brown coming out, but like the way that this guilt shifts into shame is when we keep it a secret. Like when we do something bad that we know is out of alignment with our with ourselves, with our purpose, with our values, with our community, and we don't own up to it, it becomes internalized into something that like, I am bad now because I did a bad thing. And as soon as we shed some light on this like shadow that is shame it just fucking dissipates Hmm. it's not a secret anymore some you tell someone that you know is um were these i don't think the right word but someone that has like earned the right to really see you and receive you for who you are like you tell someone what you've done or like what you're holding shame about and like any time i've ever done that it's been like yeah i've been there too I've done shit I'm not proud of. I've done a bunch of shit I'm not proud of. That doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. This is just this is just part of being a human is we fuck up and we make mistakes and we do things that we aren't proud of doing, but we get the chance to shift them into something else and those moments of those moments of like reconciling with my shame have been profoundly painful at times but the release that comes after them is like 
holy shit. Like, I had no idea that was weighing on me so much. Like when Dan and I did this kind of like trauma timeline, when I wrote it out and I reflected on some of these experiences I've had, I was like, whoa, that fucking hurt. Mm -hmm. But when I looked back on it, I realized that that one experience had caused me to feel responsible for my partner's emotions and feelings for the rest of like every other relationship I'd been in. Like I internalized that if I wasn't happy anymore and I wanted to leave, I couldn't do it because then they might hurt themselves or they might become depressed or mm -hmm. anxious. And like it was crazy to me to see how much these incidents that I kind of just like brushed off and didn't really acknowledge deeply impacted the rest of my life moving forward. And that as soon as I like laid them out and talked to Dan about them and like like spoke them and let them let them come from just like my psyche and my mind out into the world they like lost all of their power it's like yeah that happened but the story you've been telling yourself is is a story mm -hmm. it's not reality it's not the truth you can choose to act on that story and react in that story but you can also choose to respond in a different way you can choose to like rise up above that and beyond that and choose a different path and a different feeling and a different response and one of those responses is just like what you were saying is like just to like share it with someone and be held and receive the unconditional love that really does like repair these wounds. Like we just want to be seen for who we are and what we've experienced and know that it's okay, that we're still enough, that we still deserve love. Yeah. It's almost like we want to be seen for who we aren't. Mm. <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, this is what happened with me to me. And I'm I've been identifying with this thing my entire life somehow. Right. So mm -hmm. like I'm going to put out what I'm not so I can actually leave that out so mm -hmm. you can see the real me. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It's fucking crazy. It's so weird how like that stuff takes up space it, um, this was a, a, a few, let's see, maybe about a month ago, we were talking in, in the circle about um, what our, this is when we first started the visioning work. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about how in electrical theory, the, the, a wire, the energy will travel through a wire if there's le le the less, least resistance in it. If there's less resistance in it, the electricity will go through easily, right? Mm -hmm. So we got to think about our bodies in that way. Like we are this electrical wire. We're like essentially antennas for what's coming in. And we've got so much fucking resistance in there. We are like dirty, dirty, dirty wires. And these stories take up space in there. And the idea is like, hey, how can you, how can you like clear this stuff out so energy can move faster through us? Um, and what, I think what I didn't realize is that I was keep I wouldn't didn't even acknowledge my story. I didn't know it was affecting me. And then when I realized it was, I just got to be in the story for a while. And that but I didn't realize that oh, the more I share this, the more I actually like you're saying, mm -hmm. it starts to lose its power and lose its power over over me, right? Um and I think that that's where so many people get hung up is that there's so much guilt and shame built up around the story. And unfortunately, a lot of this is like really intense traumas like sexual abuse and and beyond. Uh, and that guilt and shame builds up so much and ripples through everything 
in our life, right? It just, it comes up in everything you do and the way you say hello, the way you carry yourself, the way you are in relationship. Um, and until we speak to it and actually sh- like share it, doesn't mean you have to share it with the world, but share it with someone or write it down or, 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 acknowledge even just acknowledge that it happened Mm. to uh, hopefully find some acceptance find allowance hopefully at and then at some point find some gratitude for what you can take from it um that's a huge journey that's a lot potentially a long journey Mm. um but it also can happen fairly fast too it can happen fast and and even and even if it becomes a long journey and it takes some time, like you will feel the effects of it immediately. Yeah. Like as the journey starts and that's, I was reflecting on that with, um, with Alexa yesterday, we had Mm -hmm. a really nice chat and we were talking about like the last few years of my life Mm -hmm. or of our lives. And, um, and I was thinking specifically around the last three years and, and this all kind of culminated um, when I met uh, when I met this woman at the Eclipse Festival, like 2017. The famous Eclipse the Festival. Famous everyone Eclipse talks Festival. about. It was magical. <laughs> I bet. Let's be real. There was a lake. There, there was. There was I a, mean, there was a lake. There was a mud a mud bath with like golden sparkly mud. There, wow. It, it was it was pretty cool. Um, but so the last night of this, I I meet I meet this woman, and it's like. It's like your classic love at first, your definitely classic fall in love at a festival at first sight kind of story. Like, I'm a rapt guide. She's from Connecticut. I'm like, don't go back to Connecticut. Live with me in my bus by the river. Of course. <laughs> of course. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> it was Burning Man for me, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, here, you know, here we are in the bus, and that was kind of my spiritual awakening like you were describing when you were 24 like that was mine at 21 and it didn't come from this like cosmic grandmother it came from this cosmic lover that was like like opened me up to who I really like knew I wanted to be and like who saw me for the person that I wanted to be like the person that I could be Mm -hmm. um mostly because I was like trying to be that person and eventually she kind of caught wind of that and our relationship started to deteriorate. And that like unconditional love that I received in the beginning, like I wanted to keep it. I got so attached to it and latched onto it so hard. And just like with all forms of like resist or like oppression and like attachment, like resistance starts to grow from it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not what she was in it for. And there were a lot of like painful experiences from that um i won't go too deeply into them now but but this relationship ended um rather like dramatically painfully and i was left with the realization that i had never really had before which was that i didn't really believe that i deserved genuine love and I didn't really deserve to be happy because of the guilt and the shame that I carried around specifically around my sexuality and around partnership Hmm. and 
so the next three years were kind of this journey where like that was on my radar and I knew about it, but I didn't really know what to do with it. Like I had the revelation, but I was unsure of where to go with it. I didn't have, I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have any really close friends. I definitely didn't have any close male friends at that time that I could open up to about this that had been there and um, kind of just started this, this walkabout. You know, I, I like left for Central America for six months and I got back and then I moved to Nashville for a year and a half and and I was just like searching for my identity for myself through like music, through another partnership, through um, like more sexual partners and then I was just, I just didn't know what the fuck to do. I had no, I had like no means, no tools in my tool belt as of yet to like work through this and process any of this. And so that was, that was like three years of just like this turmoil, not knowing what to do. And I, I came back to Oregon finally this past October and I did not want to fucking come back to Oregon. I felt like I had failed and like my tail was tucked between my legs and I was really down on myself. I'm like, fuck, I have to go back and live with my family like I was just living in Nashville and now I have to go live in McMinnville like with my dad. Fuck. Not cool. Not cool, man. <laughs> and then I got back and like and that's when I met Rose and Leslie at Boho. I started practicing yoga consistently. I started meditating. Um I started like just taking time for myself. I started journaling. Like I wasn't really like drinking or partying anymore at this point, so I'm just spending a lot of time with home, with my family, with my brothers. Self love time. Self love time, reflection time, mm-hmm. and and like really, the last six months, like even though this process, like the process has been my entire life. Like like we said earlier, like we've always been on the journey, we've always been on the path, we've always been living in purpose, but the last six months have been like starting to align with that purpose, especially with brothers of the moon, like aligning, like identifying the vision, aligning with the vision, aligning the practices and the actions and the thoughts and the words with the vision and the amount of like the amount of growth and opportunity and friendship and community that's come in this last six months of my life blows me away like it feels like it happens so fast mm-hmm. but it's really been this like huge broad overlapping story of my entire life but once I was really clear on what it is I want and want to offer it just started happening yes yes yeah yeah and to realize that like you say the growth happened feel like it happened so fast right mm-hmm. but like it it's like we don't see, we just keep watering the plant, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't see the growth. Sometimes it's winter, mm-hmm. right? And it's mm-hmm. just, just the roots are growing. And then all of a sudden, boom, sun comes out. You get clear and the plant is like a fucking bush or it's a tree, <laughs> whatever. You got tomatoes. <laughs> you got tomatoes. Woo. Man, yeah. Yum. Love me some tomatoes. Um. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for hearing it. So to to wrap up our our little session to um, 
to hear the rest of your story leading up to now. So mm. Brothers of the Moon started, what, four, yeah, four think, months ago? I think, yeah, we started it in March or I think it was March. Interesting time to start a virtual men's group. I know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So it must have been. Okay. Yeah. When did well, quarantine probably hit? What like early mid March? March. I want to say. Um, yeah. So I think it was probably late March or, or early April. But um, it's been a journey with of its own, for sure. Um, actually, the very idea that I'm even on a like talking to you on a podcast right now is really trippy because so much has been caught up around my my voice and how I express myself. Mm. So starting the the men's group was a was something I knew I had to do and I knew I had to do it with Dan. Uh but it's it's a gift I know I needed to share, but I also know that I needed to receive something in it as well and it was that I need I get to be seen, mm. right? And it's been pretty challenging for me to be seen and I think a lot of other people share this very similar uh challenge so the idea of like getting on I had actually had never done a zoom call (laughs) (laughs) I've just been like I don't think any of us had before this really okay god I'd never heard of zoom in my life did it exist before covid thank you thank you zoom thank you zoom and thank you Ian I thought I was so super alone in this like I just figured everyone else was out there being their like internet professionals, right? Um, and I was just like the hermit artist living in a barn. But uh, yeah, so I had done a Zoom call once before with Dan before we started Brothers of the Moon. And then when we did it, I was like, okay, here I am on Zoom with like a few, like a couple other dudes. And I'm supposed to like start tell like sharing a sound smart, ah. <laughs> sound like wise. <laughs> And that it was actually, I don't know if it was the first one or the second one, but I started speaking and I was actually having such a hard time that day that I, I had to, ex- I don't know if you were on this call, but I had to excuse myself. That was my first call. Was it? Okay. Yeah. I had to walk away because yeah. I was like so overwhelmed with being in that container and with like what was going on in, in my moment um, that, yeah, this has just been a big thing in, in me finding my voice, finding my confidence uh, learning to be seen and to see others. And I think the the huge part about being seen is learning to be seen in my process and and realizing that, oh, I, I'm not always doing it right. And that's okay. But that, but that in itself is doing it right. Right? So like, it's just been a big shift. And Dan has been such a good person to collaborate on this with because he he's a lot more confident in in speaking with people and i feel like i have stuff to say i just don't always know how to to say it or historically i'm i'm getting a lot better i'm learning to like open up and step aside so i can actually like be out there um but it's if ultimately it's this fear of rejection of like oh if i show up and i'm not perfect then I'll be abandoned. I'll be rejected. And that's, I think it's just like a super real fear that we all deal with. Some people just are, are more open to, to speaking, right? But the men's circle is so beautiful because it's, for me, it's like shattering this old, this old view of men as these things I'm afraid of 
and now I get, they get to it gets to be turned into a challenge of like, hey, can we actually create a container here where we can share, where we can explore um, some connection, some emotions, some spirituality, some softness, but then also like lean into our like like the masculine can, like rigid container. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the idea too around it is like how if we if we can learn to hold each other in in those moments and we can really actually learn how to hold the feminine and the feminine is is so powerful and is like testing for that that rigid mm-hmm. container and what and what i'm realizing is the feminine's not just women mm-hmm. i get to like this is the this is the most beautiful realization of the year for me is that like oh i have a creative flow and that is my feminine energy is when that that creative inspiration comes in. I used to think that my my creativity, like how I went about executing my, like doing my creativity was my feminine, but that's my masculine serving the the feminine download. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we spoke about this yes. a couple weeks ago. Yes. Like the, 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 like the inspiration being in the feminine and then the execution being in the masculine. Totally. That is a big realization for me. Mm. Um, because essentially like I even did it this morning. I asked myself, I'm like, well, what is, what does the feminine want to, what wants to come through me today? And I just got like this, like tingles up the back of my neck and it was just like a heart opening feeling. And it was, it just felt like, Hey, just open up and release and, and be the channel. And, and how can the, how can the masculine serve that? The masculine can create a container for it. So like it, it can go do your practice, do your art meditation, do your um, be in a place of receiving so I can go talk to Ian right now instead of being in a place of like, oh, I got to pay a bill. So I got to like, you know, go finish this job real quick or, you know, it's like, okay, what am I going to say on the podcast? Shit. Yeah, sure. Yeah. What yeah. am I going to say? Right. Make, make a bunch of notes. I'm like, no, don't write anything. <laughs> <laughs> that That's yeah. I don't know. Like. I don't know the, what the future of Brothers of the Moon is going to be as like, I I definitely see it as this like beautiful stepping stone into something like much bigger. And maybe it's not a, like a men's group forever, because I think what we're talking about is all really human stuff. I really think that what you what you've gone through, the transformation you've gone through, the information that we've all exchanged is applicable to any any gender, any person in a human body, uh, but it is definitely something that that men could really benefit from learning right now. I feel like the feminine energy and 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 females tend to to lean towards this emotional awareness and intelligence, whereas men have been told to like close off to that. So I think it's really important that we're doing this this work. But I would love to do this work with all people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, me, me too. I think the benefits of having a co-ed space are like wildly impactful. Like a, a few weeks ago, I got to speak with Jessica on here mm-hmm. and was just so fucking inspired and not just inspired, but like also I don't know, having having the perspective of a woman who is going through kind of the opposite end, not the opposite end of this, but a different like end of the spectrum and like really asking like, what can we do as men 
to like help heal this wound to help provide this container like what what do you need not you specifically but what does the feminine need like what do what do our sisters need our lovers need from us in order to like be the wildest fullest expression of themselves and really what they need which is awesome is just for us to be the wildest fullest expression of ourselves like if we can really get in tap if we can tap into what it truly means to be masculine as well as what it truly means to be feminine like that is the healing that will allow the feminine to also be fully seen and also be fully held mm-hmm. and like by doing the work for ourselves we are doing the work for everybody for sure i think that i mean i don't want to answer for for um mm-hmm. the feminine but I think the answer really is like they need like the world needs us to do our work first. Mm. <laughs> it's like actually Just get ad- your shit done. Actually admit <laughs> that there's work to do. Yeah. And start looking at it, right? Like mm. so we don't so we don't keep seeing the world through our wound. Right? Like we just run every situation through the filter of our wound. Mm. And if when we can start not doing that as much <laughs> be a lot easier to deal with we won't be the tantrum uh two-year-old yeah just just the acknowledgement that there is change yeah that can be made yeah like we've fallen like i i i've been hearing this saying less and less but i remember was hearing all the time like oh people never change people never really change i'm like that's baloney you're changing every day and if you're not aware of how you're changing, you're probably changing for the worse. Like if you're not actively working towards becoming this ver- like this next level version of yourself, like you're probably working into a lower level version of yourself. Yeah. And maybe that- maybe you hit a high mark at one point mm-hmm. and you thought that that high mark was the shit and you keep going trying to go back to that high mark right yeah and it's like well you're not you don't even identify with that place anymore and here you are 10 years down the road you can't get that's not you anymore no you can't get back there gotta shift some people are like oh man you've changed it's like cool good good (laughs) fucking good i've been thank god (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so i just think that like the, so this this has been coming to me lately and I've been thinking about the warrior mm. and like because honestly like there's a lot of a lot of this men's work Dan keeps asking me he's like okay how do we make this digestible for like for a dude to to respond to and uh, I keep thinking of the warrior and I think of like we're a lot of and this is not just dudes this is like the masculine energy in this in this warrior energy right wants to fight for something it wants to serve something and i think a lot of us are out here fighting for something and we don't always know what we're fighting for right so i think the idea right now is and and the point of the men's work and the point of this personal development in general is to realize that we have to first surrender to ourselves surrender to the me that wants to come through right i got to surrender to that and realize that what I'm fighting right now is the war within. Mm. That's how I can be a warrior. But but to be a warrior, you have to surrender first, which seems counterintuitive. Mm. Warriors, that's the most warrior thing you can do, honestly. So and then you've realized that the war is within, and you and you fight that war, and also surrender to it at the same time. And once that pro- process is unfolding, 
then you can actually figure out what you want to fight for out in the outside world, right? It's like an inside out game. And dudes need to hear that because dudes want to serve the the masculine energy, and I and those those are not interchangeable. And I keep and I feel like I keep referring to them, but obviously, yes, mm-hmm. uh, feminine energy and masculine energy is within ourselves of of any gender, any human. Um, but the masculine energy wants to show up and serve. We just got to know what we're serving, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of us don't know what we're fucking serving. So let's get clear on that. Mm-hmm. And really, it starts with. In, in order to serve others, we have to serve ourselves. Totally. In a way, like, we, like, we have to be, we have to be fit for service to take, to coin Aubrey Marcus's. Obs. Obs. Um, yeah, like, we have to be fit for service. We have to learn, we have to do the work for ourselves so that we can be of service externally. If we are not serving ourselves internally, if we have not fought the battle within internally, like, we are not really of any productive use to the fight that we want to fight outside of ourselves, to the change that we want to implement, to the people we want to heal, to help. Like, it has to be done within first. Yeah. Yeah, man. Mm. Love that. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love lamp. <laughs> I love lamp. <laughs> I love you too, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there any anything you want to say, get into, point people towards here? I am mostly on Instagram right now. My handle is M as in man. <laughs> M Charles Art. So that's I have a website. There's a link to it in my bio on there, but it's mcharlesart.com. So uh, that's mostly where you can find me posting. Um, I am making currently. I'm making a transition right now. Um, I will. I'm going to continue doing commercial artwork and murals for a while, uh, but I'm also transitioning and doing more empowerment work and creativity coaching. So. Uh, it's in the works, so I would just say, yeah, be on the lookout for for some changes in my feed. Um, I really want to work with people in finding their create creative flow, discovering their creative process. If people are in creative blocks, helping them work through that, um, interrupting patterns, healing wounds. Essentially, I'm I want to share a lot of what I've learned in my creative mm. process and and share that with people and. Uh, get us hmm yeah work with people in finding their like highest creative potential Mm. yeah beautiful yeah i'm still like trying to figure out like whoa this is what i'm doing okay cool (laughs) i've just been hiding out in a studio for the past decade (laughs) i've got to go talk to people and it just feels it feels like that's that's my heart's work that's what's coming up out of me Mm. so i'm excited i'm scared as shit to do it but I know that it's what's uh, being asked of me by like a higher purpose. Mm. So I'm looking forward to stepping into that. Amazing. Yeah. Can't wait. Well, I'm already, I'm already excited and feel <laughs> blessed to see you on the journey there. Yeah. You'll be here for the ride. Yeah. I'm working through it. Working through it. That's all we can do. Yeah. We just keep working. All right, my brother. Thank you so much yeah, for thanks, coming on here. Thanks for having me, Ian. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Love you. Bye. Peace.